Because here at the Broski Doodles podcast, we believe in a safe environment. That's why all my producers are trans. Welcome to the Broski Doodles podcast. And, and with that, <laughs> we welcome hey, you. boy, Kiko Flow, Kiko Cervantes in the Casa de Builder. I got my boy, Adrian, again, because he's got the motherfucking wise words. Because he got that motherfucking content. Because he got that motherfucking... All right. father. We're going to get to it real quick, because I don't want to waste your time. You know, I'm not here fucking, subscribe here, share it to your mother. Can you come here and buy this fucking manscape? No, we go right to the fucking... But you should like and subscribe if you do have a second. Yeah, please do. So, and when I do have a sponsor, please buy things from me, because uh, otherwise... I'm going nowhere. I'm going to be the only homeless with a podcast. And a dog. And a dog, God damn it. So I wanted to talk about... We've been watching some movies these days. I'm actually amazed at the fact that you have a lot of movies you haven't watched that are amazing. And you kind of realize that when you are a father, when you're a father, you just don't have time for shit. For shit. No, I feel like sometimes when I talk to you, you're like, bro, did you see this new documentary? Or bro, did you hear about what's happening over there? What are your thoughts on this? I'm like, dude, my thoughts are to keep my fucking two kids alive and keep my job. That's all That's all that goes through my mind. I have one hour a day to do... Something for me, and it's usually working out or jerking off. Yeah. I don't have time for, for shit, but it, it's good. It's good that I have that balance and that I could talk to you and you, you educate I, me I, on I, these I can things. give you the... The, the, the lowdown. It's okay. like a... I, 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 think that, I think a lot of times this podcast is perfect for that. Right. So maybe you are doing real things in life. Maybe you're not wasting <laughs> your life like me. And you cannot be watching all these things and finding out everything, but I can. And I put it here in a more short, you know... Succinct. Yeah, just version. boom, boom, little bits and pieces. And today we're going to talk about movies. And hopefully you've seen most of these movies that we're going to talk about. I want to talk about my favorite movies, the best movies. And there might be some that I might be missing because I can't remember now. But we've chosen ones that we both have seen so that we can talk about them. And why we believe they're like all-time best. But before I get to the best movies, I need to get out what's the worst movie. He's got something on his chest. I got something on my chest. Besides the phlegm from the Omicron, I got some feelings because I'm disturbed, Adrian, here. And, and you should be too, because you recently watched it. You watched it here in my house. This new fucking movie, Don't Look Up, right? Yeah, don't look at it. Don't look at it. Fucking destroy it. It had the chance to be an amazing movie, and, and it was not. And the reason why I bring this one up, besides the fact that I want to shit on, on it, is because the director, Adam McKay, of Don't Look Up, and apparently writer, producer too, is also a guy that produced and wrote many other movies that I fucking love. Some of them being my favorites all time. Like The other guys? The other guys, well, comedy, Will the Ferrell. Short. The Big Short, which is one of my top 10 movies. About the um, about the 2008 financial crisis due to the um, real estate bubble. If you haven't watched that movie, it's fucking insane. We're going to talk about it. But I want to talk about Don't Look Up because to me it's insane that a director can make such great movies. And then on this one, completely it's flop, completely huh? fucked. And he also did um, Succession, which is a show on HBO that I watched three episodes and I'm like... I, can't, I don't understand why people are watching this. It's really bad. But I don't want to get into that one because you haven't seen it. And I haven't really seen all of it. But don't look up. What are your first reactions? Well, you saw me as I was watching it. Um, my first re reaction was like, damn, this movie has all the makings of being a great fucking movie. In the first 10 minutes, 
when Jennifer Lawrence realizes that there's a meteor coming to Earth that's going to destroy everything. And she gets Leonardo into it. He verifies everything. For those who haven't seen it, Leo is her, her professor and she's getting her PhD. And so he verifies what she her findings and what the news is that there's going to be an imminent um, asteroid that's going to come and hit the Earth and life's going to go to shit, right? They played that up so well. And the drama that, that you felt in those few minutes were like, all right, this is going to be a serious movie that's talking about this. And I'm excited to see where this goes. And up to that point, I, I was all in on it. And then shit hit the fan once they got to, in my opinion, when they talked to Meryl Streep and presented the, uh, their findings to Meryl Streep, who was the president in the movie. Why? Because as soon as they spoke to her, she, she didn't take them seriously. And she wasn't acting presidential. So already, this is a big drama, and she's already playing it off, trying to give it another spin to the movie that's like very comedic. And she just like... And said, ah, now you guys are just talking shit. I hear um, doomsday um, predictions all the time. Get the fuck out of my office. Like, really downplaying in a way that's not realistic. Right. So the limitations of what is real in this movie, the boundaries weren't set. Or they were immediately destroyed. And you don't really know where the movie's going to go. And it does a very hard time in deciding what it's going to be. Because it seems like Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence kept to their role of it being very serious throughout the movie while everyone else was just right like a satire shit. like a sketch almost it was like yeah. a sketch and you have jonah hill just he's supposed to be the chief of staff working right under meryl streep and he's just making jokes like being extremely unprofessional to the point where it's like this is not realistic at all this is becoming an snl skit yeah exactly yeah no i totally agree with you and if it was gonna be like just a very goofy over-the-top movie that's fine but it didn't even it didn't do that right either like cuz like so what agents you know if i'm not going to describe this you 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 had to have seen this movie if if you're going to hear this review at least otherwise i mean i can't really tell you the whole movie but watch it and then come back to it no that's going to be shit but the movie starts out like you mentioned very serious where like you are hooked into it quick because there's like an eminent thing and Jennifer Lawrence and Leonardo DiCaprio's character really play that out where you're like oh fucking it's actually very cool. It's almost like the beginning of other great movies. But you're right. As soon as they go to, to see Meryl Strip, like even before that, when they were taking a long ass time to see them, where they had to go the next day and keep waiting to to actually talk to her, like until then, I was like, okay, I buy that. Yeah, you know? that still had me because, okay, that's that, that understandable. Could yeah, that could happen. But once they spoke to the president, which they're impersonating Trump, right? Meryl Strip is just like over the top Trump who doesn't give a fuck about anything. Which, we're going to talk about, like, the political part of it, which also fucks it up. But Meryl Strip, she's not goofy enough to make it a satire. And then Jonah Hill, which is a great actor, and I really like him, doesn't really seem to hit on the jokes. So, it's, it, it, like you said, he gets trapped in this middle point where it's not a satire, but it's not a real movie. And it ends up being neither, which is the worst, right? Because it has no direction. And... Right after you understand that Meryl Streep is all a goof, from there the movie just becomes a nightmare to watch, pretty much. Because everything is just really, really cool. But then Jennifer Lawrence and Leo, their characters stay real. Right, and there's so many like, <coughs> little spin-off stories within the movie that take it, take it nowhere. Like, it, they don't do anything for the movie. Like, Jennifer Lawrence 
hooking up with um, Timothy McVeigh. No, the other one. Yeah, the, the skinny kid. Yeah, she gets with him for absolutely no reason, and DiCaprio gets up, gets with um, Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett for no reason. Like it just starts. They starts dividing into different little stories just to like fill up screen time. I guess yeah. it just it seems like it didn't fill any purpose. There was no character mm. development. It, it didn't lead to anything. So yeah. the, it just felt like the movie was all over the place. Yeah, and it it didn't make you interested. It didn't grab you. Like it was a, it was the type of movie where halfway you're like. Let me look at Instagram. Right. No, I just wanted to finish so that I can say, okay, whatever. I saw it. And I, I, saw cannot, it. I cannot talk about it and say that I saw it. But if, yeah. it if it wasn't for us wanting to talk about it, I would have been like, I'm done watching this shit. I'm done watching this shit. Like halfway, right? I, yeah. I never understood my dad walking out of movie theaters, but I felt him in this one. <laughs> I finally understood that feeling like I'm not wasting my More life time. on this. And imagine how bad a movie has to be that halfway you're a hundred percent sure it's not gonna go anywhere good <laughs> and it didn't it got worse it got worse all right well we could continue on this uh forever i'm gonna just touch on that one last thing about this movie so we can move on to others the fact that they try to make it look like the republicans are the fucking retards and then the democrats are the good people that believe in the asteroid or you know the like if they would have made fun of the whole system that's funny, you know, because that, that that makes it look. And Adam McKay did a movie where he kind of threw dirt on the Republicans on that movie Vice, mm-hmm. but I, it didn't bother yeah. me. I, I felt that the movie was so good that if it was a little biased, it was fine, you know. Well, yeah, Cheney was also not the easiest person to. Right, I mean, Cheney's not like a, a good fucking, light. Yeah, he's not a model fucking human being. So. But but the fact that here they try to like very elitist like Hollywood like. The fucking Republicans are so dumb, and it's like, man, that's just. Yeah, there was that scene that they were at the rally, and she, her, and Jonah Hill were talking, and then they all like for some reason looked up and saw the comet coming down, and then they're like, "You lied to us." What? Yeah, very stupid. Like yeah, they're like dumb. Everyone wearing their American hats and like all decked out in, in the flag, and like just you know for people, people will notice this. That is not funny when when they're pandering to one side. That's not funny. That's just weird. On any side that you're in. Because if you're with them, it still feels yeah. corny. Well, considering the amount of money that they spent into doing this. How much was it that they made? That they spent? Uh, I read 70 million. 70. I heard somewhere else 75 million. 75, so right. around that area. Yeah. 75 million. That's a ton and the of movie, money. I'm telling you, like, only people that like this movie are people that are impressed easily. This is a satire for dumb people. I'm sorry. Dude, and, and the announcements are everywhere. There's ads yeah. all over Madrid for I'm this movie. Sure half of that money was marketing. All right, well, we got to move on. The first movie I want to talk about, which parallels a little bit with Don't Look Up because it's the same director, is The Big Short, which you had not seen, and I told you, no, we're going to watch this shit. You need to watch it. So before I fucking ramble, because I, you know, I, I know the people that listen to this, like, Kiko, you talk too much, motherfucker. You tell me, what are your first reactions on this one? I thought it was a great movie in explaining the seriousness of the situation and also educating the viewer who is not privy into everything that goes on in Wall Street or what happened at the time. It gives them a good like intro lesson because I think the director, Adam McKay, does a good job in breaking off like the office style where the, the speaker's looking directly at the camera and saying, 
okay, this happened between this, this, and this, and this. And in case you didn't know, these terms mean this. So this is what's happening. And then they go back into the movie, and then you go back into that reality. So that interplay there was good, and it, it is a good way of learning about what happened. And it's such a complicated topic. Right. I think it's so impressive that they're able to to, to go into this concept that's really hard right like the, the whole financial crisis again the movie's big the big short and it has all kinds of people Brad Pitt Steve Carell Ryan Gosling Christian Bale Christian Bale I mean this is a fucking it's an amazing cast and and the same director that they don't look up this is the thing that blows my mind did this movie which is my probably my top five I love this movie I love the fucking this movie is serious it talks about a serious topic and he's able to be funny in an organic way that doesn't take from the seriousness of the movie. Even them breaking the fourth wall, right? Because sometimes they break the fourth wall to, and the characters talk to you and then they go back. Mm-hmm. And you never feel like that disconnected you from the drama of the film. And I don't know. I mean, that goes to the genius of Adam McKay on this movie. And when I can watch this movie 70 times and I'll be hooked to my TV the whole time because every scene grabs you. Every scene fucking... And, and it's such a complicated uh, topic that I think you can keep watching it and learning more about the housing crisis and how they, they, they put, you know... The SDOs mortgage, and synthetics. Synthetic and SDOs. They put mortgages in top, top of mortgages and they sell that and then banks sell it. You know, it's, I think it's insane. Any last thoughts on this one? Really well-made movie. And I, I really don't see how this guy missed the ball <laughs> on, on this one. When he was going for the same thing, he wanted to talk about climate change and how climate change, um, you know, is catastrophic for the environment and whatnot. But it seems like, I don't know if what led him to create this movie. There was a lot of pressure from the people that he was working with to go this hard on this issue. And don't, and don't look up, right? And don't look up. That he, he maybe didn't have the same freedom he did when he created The Big Short. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting to know, to ask him, like, why did you do this movie? Because... Again, he did other movies. We won't talk about this one because it's not on my top 10 just because it's a comedy. It's that probably my top 30, the other guys, right? It's just an amazing comedy with Will Ferrell and, and uh, Mark Wahlberg. But he does amazing movies. He did Step Brothers too. Come on. It's classic. It's a classic Will Ferrell movie. All right. So I wanted to talk about Gladiator and The Count of Monte Cristo. Damn, which one's better in your opinion? It's hard. I love both. Both are good. I, I mean, I think, I think, uh, I mean, I gotta watch, I gotta rewatch Count of Monte Cristo because I've seen Gladiator again more recently. I would say now Gladiator, cause I, I just think that movie fucks with me, the music in it, everything. But Count of Monte Cristo is amazing, which, fun fact, the son of the Count in that movie is young Henry Cavill. Yep. Looking fucking scrumptious as always. <laughs> I think that was one of the roles that like started getting him up there on right. the ladder. And now he's a fucking witcher. Nah, but he's a fucking G. And the, and the reason why I want to talk about both movies is because they both have a similar... Motif? Yeah, motif. Like it's a, And it's a very archetypical story. Like It's not like something very uh, new and fresh. And, you know, it's a man that gets betrayed. His woman and son are taken away. And then he has to revenge, right? Obviously, they both have different settings, themes. One is more like in the days of the pirates, and then the, the gladiator is more the Roman times. But they're very the same story and very well fucking made. Like, you look at Gladiator, 
is a box office movie with a lot of investment, commercial, but doesn't steer off from being a fucking great piece of film. The, the, the feelings, the acting. Everything. Everything that went into it. And I think, well, I'm not sure if it's historically correct for everything that went into the movie, but it, it does do a good job in, in putting you in that, in that timeline, in that era, and seeing everything that took place there and... Yeah, man, it's a very dramatic movie. Joaquin Phoenix kills it. Probably, probably the best, one of the best movies, along with Signs, which we'll talk about too. Joaquin, he went crazy after, right? Like these recent times, he's he's a little weird. Well, but as far as like his social and yeah, like his views. political views, but yeah, I he mean, can still act. I mean, he did the Joker. He did the Joker was which was amazing. You wouldn't understand, but he, yeah, Gladiator. He's fucking evil, and and you know when he's. He's evil and pathetic and like a right? fucking asshole. Dude. Yeah, but I that you hated him in that movie. You hated him. Yes, like the, the the power that that movie has for you to feel the little piece of shit he is, is and also how pathetic he is. Right. Like combined, where he's evil but pathetic and, and a chip on his shoulder. And he's able to admit that, like through his dialogue and through his mannerisms and his facial expressions, he just becomes a fucking little person that you want to see yeah. dead in that movie and and Maximus right um, Russell yeah, Crowe Russell Crowe his character is so like not only I'm an alpha male and I'm a big dog but you're like oh he's a good person you know cause he doesn't kill you know and this happens in the Count of Monte Cristo too they spare the life of the oh, person no, you're right of the pirate <laughs> And in the case of Gladiator, of one of the fighters, he's like, he spares his life. When he's like, are you entertained? Yeah, and they're all telling him to kill him. He's like, nah, I'm not doing this. I ain't doing this, yeah. No, no, fucking amazing. Um, the Count of Monte Cristo is a very old book. So, you know, it's a story that, that comes from back in the day. Um, it's a guy from The Passion of the Christ, right? We have mm-hmm. uh, Guy, guy Pierce. Pierce. I can't remember the girl's name, but she's beautiful. Is that Liv Tyler? No. I don't remember. You would have to look that up. Yeah, but... Um, I think... That movie? Oh, no. It was Gladiator. The black guy is the one from Blood Diamond. True. Yeah. The one... And then the end, yeah, music at the end. It's just... And you're like, oh, my God! <laughs> if you don't cry in that movie, you got no feelings. And the Carlo Monte Cristo... Um, I don't know the on the gladiator when Joaquin Phoenix I think is killing his dad, and he's telling him crying like I'm not enough for you. He, he has never a little, loves me. Yeah, he's a little. he never loved. He does a little speech, and he's like, "Oh my God!" You can feel, you kind of have a little sympathy for like a very small one where he's like, "I'm killing you and I'm evil and I'm pathetic," but he's like, "I'm your son. Why can't you fucking love me?" While he's killing him. Yeah, that was right before his dad told him like. My failures as a father. Yeah, which is a little trying too, right? Yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah, your fail, your failures as a son are my failures as a father. And he's just saying like, you know, it's fine. A normal conversation. Yeah, we're having a good time. And, and he's literally trashing the son like, the fact that you're a piece of shit is really because I'm a piece of shit. Okay, but I'm still a piece of shit. Oh, no, you are. Yeah, you are yeah. a piece of shit. And I, want, I wish Maximus was my son. Damn. <laughs> I mean, you gotta feel a little for him. And how do I put it this way? He's taking over. 
Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I don't. And, um, and then he also had like this weird relationship with his sister, where I, I, I never got understood if he fucked her or not. He wanted to. He wanted to, and she wanted to sleep with Maximus. Right, which made him even more angry, right? Angry at Maximus. And then the everything. little boy, whose son is he? Because he always says Uncle, whatever, Uncle Phoenix, right? So I think Max is Maximus is that. I don't know. Didn't she have a husband? I don't remember. I don't remember. Or maybe that's motherfucking fucking Phoenix fucked her. Damn. Or yeah, maybe that was Russell Crowe behind the scenes. But um, they did want to fuck. But Russell Crowe kept it real. He's like, no, when I die, I'm going to meet with my girl again. Oh, that scene, right? When they burn and rape, rape him. Yeah, that's rough. He's rushing back over He's there. rushing back to his fucking villa in Spain. He sees them hanging there. Yeah. The no, that house. was... If, if you haven't seen that movie... I mean, I really... Would, I hope none of you have. But if you haven't, you have an opportunity. Any of these movies that we're mentioning today, you need to watch them. If you want your life to, to, to you know, continue growing inspirationally. All right. Let's move, let's move over. Kind of Monte Cristo, Gladiator, amazing uh, archetypical revenge movies with great acting, great actors, great script, and, and really good production where you feel you're in those times in both movies. You feel like in, in Gladiator you're in Roman times and in the other one like you're a fucking pirate of the Caribbean. Bro, and you leave, after watching those movies, you feel like a fucking man. Yeah, you feel like a man, goddamn it. <laughs> I have felt the same feeling. I bought a sword after that. <laughs> With those two and 300. After 300. that, dude, that shit took me up to another level of like T. Yeah. If you want, if you need to get the testosterone up, watch, watch, watch one of these movies, yeah. And if you're a woman, that, that's tr- okay too. You become stronger because women are weaker. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I want to touch, uh, let's go a little bit more uh, on the funny side. All right, we can do that. Wolf of Wall Street. Well, even, I mean, I consider it a comedy. It is. Yeah, yeah. And all intents and purposes, it is. Would you put that on your top 10, too? Top 10? Towards the end of it, maybe. Okay. Or, or top 20, for sure. Top 20, for sure. That movie, it also did... Is that, I think that's Scorsese? I don't know. Um, I'll check. I'll check. It up. No, I, I really don't think so. Scorsese's always done these like, fucking dark games. I, I don't think it was him. I'd be impressed if it was. It is. It, it is? is. It is Corsese, yeah. Damn, him and Leo have this thing. Bro. Yeah, yeah, they have a connection. I love fucking that. That movie is amazing. I'm always hooked to the movie. I'm always like, you watch, you start watching the movie, every scene got, gets you. The way that every scene is started, like when Leo is talking to the person, right, the first time in the very shitty uh, the, firm. For the penny stocks. Yeah, for the penny stocks. Like pretending he's fucking the, the yeah, person yeah. on the it's phone. Like, let me tell you about this great opportunity that I've seen here. No, no, because, I, and everybody's like listening in. The, <laughs> like those scenes, amazing. Uh, the, the, oh, the classic scene in the top of the restaurant in New York with uh, Matthew McConaughey. How many how many jerkos a day? Two? Well, you got all those numbers, you know. <laughs> the like, rookie numbers. Rookie numbers. Like, there's so many lines. There's so many fucking scenes. Jonah Hill jerking, is amazing. Him jerking off at the top of the stairs to, I forgot, I think it was to Margot Robbie. Jonah Hill. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, man. And I think she, she even said that she felt a little... Louis C.K.? Like, yeah, Louis C.K. She felt a little, you know, abused. Margot Robbie, right? 
I mean, I gotta keep it respectful. You know, I got, I got couples. What couples? I got a couple. <laughs> I got, I, I got a couple as a person, not a couple of bitches out there. I'm saying he is in, a, he is a couple. I'm a couple. But Margot Robbie, man, she's just. Do you think she's the hardest girl in Hollywood right now? Yeah. Like no, I think no, she blows Scarlett, away. Scarlett Johansson's up there. Mm, okay, I, I guess there's also like people's taste. That's Scarlett Johansson. Because like I think Megan Fox is not even and she's you know but she's not. She here. was. She she was yeah. No, I think Margot Robbie. Is Dude, I like Hillary Dove, man. I get a lot of shit for oh, it. Oh, Hillary what, Dove what, to is me, super cute. Yeah. And today, and you know what makes her even cuter? The fact that she's a married woman. Well, um, that part is a little annoying. <laughs> that part is a little annoying. But, but she's got kids, and she's like, she didn't go into drugs, and she looks right, good. Right, she did it right. Dude. She did it right. She's like a good woman. God damn it, she's a thoroughbred American woman. <laughs> no, but she's, yeah, she's really pretty. But okay, but Margot Robbie on this movie, amazing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Amazing. She kills it. Apparently that scene where she's showing the pussy, the pussy to the Leo, puss. the puss to Leo and Leo's like, ah, oh. and she's like, you want this, puppy? You want this? <laughs> Which was a fucking, that scene, you know. It was getting me hard thinking. Yeah, about yeah, it. yeah. And, and she said that in those movies, like people filming, there were people in there and she didn't feel comfortable. And that she, apparently she had to be, she had, was naked. Oh, damn. There's a very famous scene, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, on on this movie with ah, where she has also opened her legs. Um, Lito, no Lito. Well, she was she's apparently she had to be naked. I don't know. She didn't say that. I think she 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 looks at it more like this is part of the job and right. And that's it. Well, she should tell Margot Robbie that. <laughs> but I don't that's know. What how you signed up for. I mean, I'm pretty sure she got a lot a lot of money for it, and she's being hired to be the hot chick there. Yeah, you're getting paid $100 million to come the fuck down. Yeah. You got everybody else in Hollywood with the fappening. That they got exposed for free. The fappening? You don't hear about the fappening? No. A while back, must have been like 10 years ago, where like all of the um, photos, videos, leaked of um, all these famous celebrities that had all like shared their shit on the cloud. So you get pictures of like Kate Upton, and Jennifer Lawrence, Mila Kunis, Mila Kunis Hillary Dove, all of them. Yeah. Whoever had any little dirt on their phone got exposed. So they called it okay. the fappening. Okay, and she didn't. Oh, Margaret. Oh, I don't know. Okay. It might be. Okay, we'll do some research later. Well, Wolf of Wall Street, amazing movie, amazing story. I mean, Jordan Belford. You can see him on YouTube now, and he's actually he seems like a cool guy, you know. But I think Leo fucking. I mean, Leo to me. Yeah, I gotta see. You gotta take a piss. Go take a piss. To me, Leo, straight up the best actor that I've that I've seen that I've ever seen like except for this fucking movie Don't Look Up everything he does he just kills it he has this fucking way of getting to the characters we're gonna talk about Django next and in Django I mean there's this comedian Roy Woods who says that that Leo DiCaprio is like the biggest you know like black ally because to be a white villain in a slave movie, you gotta fucking, you gotta have balls to do that, right? Because Leo DiCaprio is, so, is saying strong words in the movie, but but you cannot really make a movie about slavery without showing that evil white man, you know? And with Django, I mean, all the actors there, right? You have um, Jamie Foxx, you have that 
German guy that I can't remember his name, Place, the guy that does the main character. Um, yeah, he's a really good actor in his own right. Yeah, he was in like Inglorious Bastards, right? Yeah, I think he won an Oscar. Yeah, he's amazing. But that movie, oh my God, Django. I mean, in Tarantino, I'll be honest with you, there's some Tarantino I like, like uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which Leo also works a lot with Tarantino. But not every Tarantino I love. <coughs> but this movie, Django, I think it's probably his best film, in my opinion. I think that's his best film. What do you Who, think about Django? Leonardo's best film no, or Tarantino's? Tarantino's. Yeah. I don't like too many Tarantino's. I, at least I didn't like the uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay. I liked it until it got to the end where it just like went completely ridiculous. Right. With the chick with the flamethrower and just like started killing everybody. I was like, all right, you lost me here. But I guess it was a play on what happened with um, Marilyn Manson. Manson. Yeah. Oh, Charles Manson. Yeah. yeah Marilyn Manson. No, he's he's on some other shit now, right? Like, <laughs> on some Me Too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no. Um, but Django was amazing. The whole scene with Leo with the skull. Yeah. Dude, his performances in some movies are just out he's of insane. World. Like when he gets very like like in Wolf of Wall Street where he's like I'm not leaving I'm not, I'm not fucking leaving man it's it's insane he gets into the characters I f- man he's so good it was the one um that he should have won an Oscar for was the Aviator the Aviator oh my God I have one I have that one here he's he's like I think he's the the best actor that has done it I mean you have. The Matthew McConaughey's uh, below. We help. You have um, Christian Bale's up there for me. C- Christian Bale. You have um, what's this guy's name? Uh, uh, Johnny Depp. You know this. Johnny a, Depp is up there. Russell Crowe. I mean, you have. But I think Leo just consistently killing it. it. Fucking. He should have gotten. He got an Oscar for The Revenant, and I I, I like The Revenant, but he that's not his like that's not his best film. Right. He should have gotten. Fucking catch me if you can. I think you haven't seen that recently. No, not recently. But that's that's, a, that's an amazing Hanks. movie. That's an ama- He was really young with Tom Hanks. That's an amazing movie. No, he he definitely should have won way more Oscars than he has. <laughs> I think when he won it, his thing was like, oh, finally, or it's about time, or some shit like that. I think it was, it was justice it was, for the other movies he did. Right, there. and it's like, everybody knew at that point, and I think that's why they gave him... He did a great performance there, and they're like, finally, yeah. You deserve it. You deserve it. Yeah, but I think he shouldn't... Leo, if you listen to this podcast, don't give, don't give a fuck about these Oscars, bro. You're the one. You know what I mean? You're the one. And talking about the one... Bachi wins an Oscar for this last one. Don't look up. Oh, fuck. <laughs> then you know the whole system is, is fucked. Well, I love Leo so much that I'm willing to let the, this movie pass. Because I understand he has to look good. But, dog, no more fucking flops. You got to bring it. Well, <clears throat> I wonder how much of a voice he had in it, since it's all about the parallels to climate change. I think a lot. Probably had and I, don't know, I mean, yeah, I don't know how he did it. But um, lastly, before we leave, talking about the one, I wanted to talk about The Matrix, the first one. You you seen that one recently? Recently, no, but you liked it. Yeah, of course. I watched it two and three, which were bad, and then I hear the fourth one that just came out is fucking, just like a woke train, super annoying, not good enough, well, not good at all. But the, the Matrix one, which was made by the Wachowski brothers, who are now the Wachowski sisters, so yeah. That movie was amazing. At the time, 99, 1999. The graphics were sick. 
For the time, it was amazing. It, it, it holds up today. You watch that movie today, everything holds. And I think that the trick that they did with that one, and I've mentioned this on the podcast before, is that they didn't overdo the, the CGI. They kept this, the world contained in a way where you had to imagine some of the things, and then the things that they did show, the technology was good enough to show it, which I think they did an error when they went to the second one and the third one. They wanted to expand that world, but the technology wasn't there, and it looked like it ages horribly. Like if you the CGI fell flat, bro, but horrible. It looks like a bad video. It looks like a PlayStation One video game at, at times. Damn. When like there's these scenes where like Leo uh, Neo grabs one of the agents and then he's like using it as a bat to like hit the rest of the agents, and that whole thing looks Psyche. completely fake. Yeah. And, and it's weird because at the same time, they did Lord of the Rings, which I recently watched, the trilogy. Not my type of movie, but the graphics were amazing. They still hold up. So I'm like, maybe they had a different studio. I wonder if The Matrix was one of those movies that should have been a standalone and was thought to be a standalone. But after the box office success that it was, that the brothers were like, okay, let's keep this train going. Yeah. Let's add story. I mean, I guess I, I understand that there's a pressure making money... But I don't know, man. Like, I think the mate, like, either leave it as it is, or if you're gonna make more matrixes, make them what they should be. You know, like actually study like a like a story. Like you could tell they just put stories like you know chumped up, kind of like what they did with Game of Thrones. I watched the last season. I understand it doesn't matter if I only watched the last season, cause, but everybody tells me that that last season they just botched it up and like put out something to like end it. Right. The. The ending for Game of Thrones wasn't bad. The thing is that they rushed it so much, and in comparison to how they would expand stories and character development throughout the first like six, seven seasons, that like when they rushed everything right in for one season to finish it up, it's just like okay, from you're going from here to here to here to here to here to here, everything's over, wrap it up, let's go to the next movie. Right. Which by doing that you fucked it up. Like it wasn't consistent to the speed of the rest of the seasons. Right. This all of a sudden, it felt rushed to the viewer, and then that's why everyone's like, "What the fuck?" Right. You, I would have preferred seeing another three, four seasons of this same drawn-out way where you're doing the character development. You see the characters going crazy, and you start understanding why things are leading in that direction, as opposed to just throwing it on your face and saying, "This is the ending." Right. And the whole, I guess, controversy behind that was that the directors wanted to go do the new Star Wars movies that they got hired oh, to do. I see. So they were wrapping up the project as fast as possible. Like, I already spent years on this. We're done. They went to Star Wars. But I think once they got the Star Wars gig, they saw how bad they flopped with Game of Thrones and then they got dropped from the Star Wars huh. thing too. So they fucked up two franchises. Right, yeah. Man, I, I, it's so sad how all these, a lot of movies and series that have a lot of great potential get fucked. But that's why we praise even more the ones that do it right, that do good movies, that are that that can really stand the test of time. We're gonna have another episode with movies because there's movies that we that's still on my list that we couldn't go through, and and we'll probably make it a little longer so that we can dive deeper into them. But I wanted to throw some out there so that you can you know know what are my favorite films and and what they you know bring to me. Really watch them because these are amazing movies that you're gonna really be fulfilled and, and be a greater person um, after watching them. Once again, Adrian, thanks again for talking the shits. Absolutely. Have me every week. All week, Doug, and we're gonna keep on having him. I'm not letting him go. 
<laughs> Broski Doodles, I love you. As always, your boy Kiko Flow. As I've been mentioning on the last episodes, I'm back. 22 is the 22 is the year, and I'm gonna keep bringing them episodes in. I was sick for a few weeks, and then I had a lot of family coming over on on Christmas, so I was off for a bit. And I do apologize because that's not who I am. But thank you for staying there, for listening, subscribe, share the fucking thing, like it on the iTunes, on the Spotify, and have a wonderful, wonderful fucking day. I love you. Peace. Fuck her out.